Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, I'm delighted to have on board Elizabeth Jacoby, founder of Mocha Bear Marketing. Elizabeth, yay, we get to talk. Hi. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm excited well, to be here. Thanks, thanks for joining up. Um, give people the, the, the nickel version of Mocha Bear. Uh, so I started Mocha Bear Marketing in 2017, but I've been in the email marketing space yeah. for over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I worked for Cheetah Mail, which is now Cheetah Digital, and I worked for a CRM agency. And I really wanted to work with small businesses, which was not possible um, when I worked in the agency world. Uh, we only worked with large enterprise brands. So today mm -hmm. I work primarily with small and mid-sized businesses and helping them take that same large brand strategy to their small business. Now I'm, I am a hundred percent simpatico with the, I, I like working with small businesses, but tell me where that comes from. Why? I think I've always had a passion for small business where you know the owner, where you kind of walk into a place and the owner is there talking to you. And that's sort of always been something that I've loved. Even as a kid, I went to college at UC Davis, which was a small college town. And often the business owner would be at the bagel shop, the coffee place, the bookstore. And I just, I always really enjoyed hearing their story. And I, while I, I loved working with big brands, I, I needed the experience to help small businesses by working with those big brands. Yeah. Um, my passion has always been more around small business and yeah. really kind of helping them. And they don't have the same budget or resources that right. a large brand has. So, you know, it's really important that they're able to market their, their restaurant, their store, their e-commerce business, um, you know, just as much as a large brand with a big budget. Well, and arguably an effective email program is even more important for a, for a small business, isn't it? I would say, yes, definitely. Um, one of my, one of the client that I picked up during the shut, the pandemic shutdown was a small restaurant locally here and they were super popular when they they'd only been open about six or seven months when oh, the shutdown happened so yeah. they were new yeah. but they were a local business they they raised their kids in the neighborhood and it was still hard for them so by setting them up with an email program and they were already collecting email address but didn't really know how to send yeah. or what to send uh, they were able to really grow their business during a time when so many businesses were not able to grow. And it made me realize even more that small businesses almost you're right, need it more than a big business. We all know big brands because you see it when you're driving, you go to the mall. Yeah. It's the smaller brands that tend to be forgotten about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And they're 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 competing with that spend. Well and also if they're if their geography centric, you know, not small business making, you know, custom widget for bicyclists or whatever, but restaurant uh, or, or something like that. Repeat customer, loyal customer, big deal, right? Backbone of your business. And that's where yeah. the kind of marketing that you're helping them do is all about, it is as much about that growing, growing that loyal customer base and, and serving them as the constant new that the billboard's going to attract. 
I often describe, like, especially when people are kind of unclear, like what email marketing really is. I often say it's about building loyal relationships, um, retaining your customers, not just about sending an email and trying to get someone to purchase. I mean, obviously that's ideal, but it's really about, you know, building that relationship and it's one-to-one, whereas social media, I mean, I like and follow and unfollow businesses all the time. Uh, email is a little harder. I don't unsubscribe often. I sometimes stop reading, but you know, for the most part, I do look at email a lot more than I look at um, my social media. And I think for a small business, that's why it's so important. Are you seeing, uh, are you seeing texting play a role or, or even an increasing role for small business scale customers? So I've seen it a little bit um, more in those who are e-commerce mm-hmm. and like only e-commerce that they have an interest in SMS. I, you know, I wanted to add SMS to my services and I piloted a few programs for myself. And as I mentioned it to my client, no, there, I didn't have as many takers as I thought. Uh, they really wanted to keep their focus around email. And I, you know, SMS is something that I was interested in many years ago, like when it first started. And I do think there's a great tie in to email, but it it's coming to my phone in the same way that my friend or my husband or my mom texts me. And I'm just, I think for certain businesses, they're just not that comfortable with it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it was, it's a rabbit hole. We could, we could probably go way, way down, but um, I've been watching this landscape with some in, considerable interest over the last couple of years, the messaging, which is not just SMS, but the messaging thing and the email thing and watching them sort of jostle and jockey and and what you said i think i think has a whole bunch of merits like the the interrupt the 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 way you use that channel message channel tends to be personal and relationship centric right now and like yeah are there businesses i know well enough care about well enough where i'd say sure i want you on that channel you know not many of them and honestly what do they have to say that I want to be interrupted about on any regular basis. I'm glad you said, I thought it was just me that felt that way. I will tell you that SMSs that I, marketing messages that I like is the reser- like a dinner reservation reminder. Um, Utility. That I like saying, you know, please confirm your reservation tomorrow. I yeah. prefer that to come to me via text. It's like yeah. the old days of them calling to confirm your reservation. Yeah. I also like it. Um, a Shopify, I, I think, does this does. where they tell you your package is out for delivery. Yes. And that I like because I, I like to know that there's going to be a package at my door sometime that day. Yeah. Um, but when I get the constant sales messages, do you like this outfit? I'm like, right. I just don't have time to reply to your text yeah. message. Or yes. Read it. yes, yes. Well, and, and there's a, like the, the kind of messages you mentioned, I think in the, uh, those of us in the email space would say uh, more like triggers, right? More like what I, I said, utility, like they're, 
they're part of something that's already happening. They're, they're helping make that thing happen. They are not trying to make a new thing, a new sale happen. And my, yeah. my, my dentist, God bless him, right? Like, beep, text message, hey, hey, ding dong. You remember when you said that appointment six months ago? Like, oh, thank you, right? But See, that's a helpful message. It's a helpful message. Yeah, yeah. But hey, we're having a sale on crowns. Uh, don't do that to me, right? Seriously, yeah. don't, do, don't do that to me. Um, yeah, ag agreed. And I think in part because it's such a high, it's such a high priority interrupt. When it goes bing, I am going to look. You are going to to look. Um, and there might be small businesses, local businesses, where the nature of what they do fits that. But the plumbing infrastructure to do, let's call them triggered texts. Man, I could see, I could see turnkey system for dentist's office having that wired in but if you're kind of starting from scratch as a as a small business restaurant as you mentioned um <laughs> maybe way down the list of priorities uh if it's not built into a reservation system like open table or something like that so you're not going to get to it yeah yeah no i agree i, I feel like sms needs to be even more one-to-one -one than email uh you know if a, oh, a store that i shop at yeah texted me and said, hey, we just got some new arrivals that we think, you know, would be perfect. They're just your style. That I'm likely to say, great, I'm coming in. Really one-to-one. -one. But but that's very one-to-one. -one, yeah. Whereas I just don't get a lot of, I get a few of those, but for the most part, it's the same thing I'm getting in their email. Yeah. 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 And, and, and as we, you know, we quest for personalization and one-to-one, in email, pushing that same quest to the point of actual, uh, you know, psychological ROI for the customer in the text channel is going to be super detailed. I, I, um, I'm a long, long time Amazon customer because I, uh, I happened to live in Seattle when Amazon started and my, my <laughs> Amazon ID is from 97. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, same way. We're an early adopter. Oh yeah. Always, 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 always. Right. But I, I kind of watch Amazon cause you know, the scale they've gotten to the resources they've got. If, if someone's going to try something in a channel, they're probably going to try it. And Amazon has never asked me for texting permission, which is interesting. It's like, okay. yeah, yeah, they're not doing it. And I probably wouldn't say yes anyway, cause oh my word, my phone would never stop dinging. But if they're not doing it, then maybe it doesn't make sense for a restaurant to do it. Okay, enough enough of the texting uh, texting <laughs> rabbit. Oh, we'll come we'll come back to the to the more viable terrain of of email. What do you find? Say you land a new customer. Restaurants an easy one to talk about. What do you find that tend to be the the easy pickings? Like, oh, I can help them do this, this, and this, and it's gonna it's gonna change their business immediately. Um, so I usually ask them, you know, where they're struggling, um, or where their challenges are. Mm -hmm. So using the restaurant space, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or big restaurant night. So it's the other nights where they may not be getting as many people in the door as they would like. So, you know, sometimes we'll talk about what can we do to incentivize people to come in on those nights? What can we do to make your your email people who are your most loyal customers feel special. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, we'll, you know, tell them that they should start reserving their tables for the weekend now to make sure that they get in. 
Um, in other cases, you know, they'll have like weekly specials that just go out to the email list. So really working with them to kind of help them understand that we're using email to target their most loyal customers. And we do want new people to subscribe, obviously, but we want to make sure that when people subscribe, they're feeling more special than that customer that either just walks in and is from out of town or who books on open table. Like, yes, we want them to feel just as special, but really to make sure that their email people are feeling even more special than everyone else. Got it. So, and also, um, you know, building that brand awareness. I, I read this statistic and this was a few years ago, so I'm sure it's changed that 47% of people that had a good experience at any type of business, it wasn't restaurant specific, don't return because there's so many options whether it's online or, you know, just in, in the same neighborhood. So kind of reminding people, you know, who you are and, and why they, why they came in. Yeah. Yeah. I also, um, I'm a big believer in small businesses telling their story, you know, because they are more unique than a big chain. Um, you know, why should people come in like who they are, What's their reason for starting their business? They, you know, in most cases, they have some type of passion that made them start their their own business. So I really want to make sure that that story is told because I think that that tends to resonate. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's a it's an asset that the big box does not have. Like, I don't, right. I don't care about the story of Phil the Blank's big box chains. Like, like you're just a you're just yeah. a box with other boxes in it at this point. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's good, and and it's interesting that you. It, it, it's interesting that that that's the, you know, the easy easy pickings. The, um, you know, grow grow that relationship. Do do small businesses tend to have the sort of data and technical uh house in order when they come to you or are they like oh we have a mailchimp account and there's dust on it yeah i think it's more that um <laughs> i don't think i'm actually speaking at the western food food service and hospitality show later this month okay and one of the topics that i'm going to talk about is what data do you have that can help your email program mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of businesses don't even realize what data they have. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, most of their websites today, you can subscribe to a newsletter. That's great. Hopefully you're sending, some are still not sending. Um, but, you know, you have point of sale data, you have the email data, you know, what people click on, like where they're going within the email. So I think for the most part, it's not that they don't have the data it's that they don't use it. know what to do with what they have yeah yeah and and to be fair it's frequently it's the same problem you see in enterprises it's siloed right oh yeah we've got a bunch of names and emails but they're in the point of sale system and we don't know how to get them from there to the you know fill in the blanks the other thing that actually sends emails on a regular basis like yeah and stuff and if they do it once making it happen all the time can be a yeah, that can be a ton of work. Yeah. Yeah. I try to help them automate it uh, as much as possible. But, <laughs> you know, I there are some systems that can't be automated. I have one client we lived 
data every single Monday. It's a manual process. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's a pain, but it's the only way, unless they were to hire someone to build them an API call. Yeah. And then someone needs to manage that. And they're just not, yeah. you know, going to spend the, the budget on that. Uh, they don't see the importance of it. Well, and you can open a really, run a really successful restaurant and never have to know what the heck API stands for. So we yeah. are bringing her <laughs> like a, a, a different, a different frame of reference to that. I, I, I'm of the opinion that, that, that Zapier and, and, and no code automation platforms like that could be the small business's best friends, but I've got friends that run small businesses and they're like, huh? Uh, that's too technical. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually fair, right? That's actually fair. You, as easy as it looks, it still requires a whole bunch of, uh, yeah, yeah, knowledge and deep. It is, that is one of the things that I set up for. Uh, I use Zapier for a lot of my clients, and it's a, <laughs> it's a tool that saves me a ton of time. Exactly, super helpful yeah. for them. But yeah. yeah, it's it's intended to be user friendly, and I guess those of us in the email world. It is user-friendly, but for someone who's not, someone who's running a restaurant or a store or a small e-commerce business, it, it's not as intuitive yeah, as you would think. Yeah, it, 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 it still isn't. And uh, technology platforms that are very well built for a given purpose, particularly if, if they've been around for any number of years, aren't necessarily uh, prone to making the data in their bucket easy to get to or to sync or something like that you know great point of sale systems that have an api uh small list because point of sale guys don't tend to think in like those terms hmm. yeah it's it's amazing to me today that even with some of these newer technologies that they didn't think about integrations yeah with these other small business platforms and that it's, it's still not easy. Yeah. You know, I came from the world where we had developers and if you needed an API call built, no problem, you know, like, right. yeah, there was a cost and it needed to be monitored, but it was done. Yeah. And that's not easy for most businesses. Yeah. And, 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 the you know, the company that's building a, you know, widget management platform for customers to sell widgets, like, if most of their customers aren't asking for that, it's not going to go up on the priority list of, of, of things to get done. You know, I see, I see enterprise grade stuff being more and more and more API first, API centric, but that wave's not even a decade old. Um, right. So it's small wonder that, that platform focused, focused on SMBs are, are not necessarily putting that at, at the top of their list of things to do. And if you end up with a whole bunch of Zapier triggers, you know, holding the pieces together, babysitting that, maintaining that, it's it's not zero work. So you no, it's a yeah, like you I had I had a client this week who changed something so simple in a spreadsheet and right. broke everything. Everything. And, <laughs> you know, it was like such a minor change, and in my head. I thought, why is it not smart enough to know that this change was just a change to the name, the tab name? Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, it broke mm. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> boom. And usually boom that you didn't realize happened until 
sometime like why is why is that not working anymore start yeah. tracing but- it all the way back yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we're we're a dev shop we've got developers and we struggle with keeping things band-aided together and making sure automations work and all that other stuff and yeah someone could change a tab name and boom right something yeah it's <laughs> Love such a un- small thing. <laughs> such a small the law of un- law of unintended consequences. Well, it's not. It looks like a technology, a bunch of technology issues. In a sense, it is, but it's also data, uh, data issue, digital data issues. You know, you 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 said those of us in the email space, and I was kind of rephrasing it like those of us who end up handling, using, connecting data, think think of things in a quite a different way than someone whose concern is 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 more immediate and physical you know boxes shipments supplies you know uh, uh food safety stuff like that like it hasn't been abstracted yeah. digital data so if you don't do that stuff all day it's you don't realize what it could do how difficult it is how brittle and prone to breaking it is um and how kind of jerry-rigged the whole darn thing is really on it. <laughs> it, it you know it's funny sometimes people will say well why should i hire you know an email consultant yeah. or an expert and my like the way i explain it to them is you need to run your business like for you the most important thing is business revenue is your operations running efficiently and i'll worry about the marketing side of it the email marketing and I think that resonates with them versus, well, you just need an email program because the truth is with MailChimp, with Constant Contact, I guess anyone can go in and send an email. It doesn't mean doing anything. Yeah, I could could draw down to the store and buy a sharp knife. That doesn't make me a surgeon. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) I hope not. Really? Wait, here. Lie still. Let me try this. Um. Switch gears for a second. You've had an interesting journey from corporate enterprise to back to that place that you're passionate about SMB, which meant you got to go through the fun and games and joys of of founder and and starting a thing and being a small business as well. What was the what was the biggest surprise about that shift? Well, I, to me, the biggest surprise was that no one has written a step-by-step guide of if you want to start your own business, you need to think of A through Z. Uh, That to me was the biggest challenge. I knew the basics. I knew I needed a website. (laughs) I needed a name. I needed to make sure that, you know, my business name was trademarked. Like that I knew, but there were some other things I don't think I realize like how are you going to go about getting clients where should you you know do you need a a small business loan to start you know those types of things i and i didn't realize what resources were available um to small business consultants like myself i you know now i know but i didn't know in my first year yeah yeah Um, you know i got very lucky that email space is full of wonderful people and I had enough contacts that I was able to get, you know, started pretty quickly. But I, there was a lot I didn't know, you know, even that I needed QuickBooks for billing. You know, I was sending 
manual invoices. Yes, which yes. Was a big pain. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah. I'm actually glad you said it because there's a whole there, like there's a whole wealth of stuff there. Like many, if not most, people who run their own their own thing of whatever scale. Like there isn't there isn't a very good blueprint, and most people with a business degree, a business degree, didn't cover how to how to build one it's sort of how to go be part of an existing one maybe but all of the all of the challenges of of, of doing a new thing and all the seemingly little decisions that you've got to discover along the way you know maybe there yeah. is a book on that maybe there is a blueprint there might be there, i didn't I, find one <laughs> i uh, i have not found it either have you read uh the e-myth gerber michael gerber no. Oh, put that up. Put that on your list. Uh, E-Myth. Okay, I'm going think, to. Yeah, Michael Michael Gerber. Yeah, he, he, it's okay. about it's about how to how to do do what you're doing, what I'm doing, without making yourself completely uh, completely <laughs> nuts and and burning out. Um, which is tough because because in a sense, the advice you're giving to your clients, right? Look, let me handle the email marketing. Is advice to turn on yourself? Like what what's running at Mocha Bear? that really someone else could do because it's in their wheelhouse. It's in their, their passion instead of making everything top to bottom, your, you know, like your baby, your problem. It's tough. It's so, it, it's funny you say that because so in my, probably in your six to seven months in, I decided, okay, sending manual invoices and waiting for checks is not going to work. Um, I need to get QuickBooks. So I set it up myself fairly easy to do but at some point it became a mess yeah. <laughs> and I spent hours like unsyncing things resyncing things and then I said the same thing that I say to clients why are you not hiring someone to fix this problem for you yes. they'll fix it in a few hours and yep. you'll be spending 12 hours and not picking up a client in that 12 hours yep so I did hire someone to fix it and, you know, <laughs> it's now working fine. Yes. But, you know, it's those little things where I just was like, no, I'll do it myself. It's yes. easier. Yes. And you realize it's not. <laughs> it's not. And, man, and the, the very personality that's going to start a business is the personality that's going to say, well, I can figure it out. I can do it. Um, yeah. Right. Like we're on worst enemy. It's funny you went to the QuickBooks example because when you said QuickBooks earlier, <laughs> a little light went off my head because over a decade now and best decisions I made in this business was God bless you, Sarah, hiring Sarah going, I don't even want to look at QuickBooks. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to look it, at it. I hate it. You do it. Don't like, seriously, give me the reports and just don't bother me because I hate that fussy line by line. And she's brilliant at it. Right. And <laughs> thank you sarah taking that monkey off my back because i'd i'd never get it done i'd find nine thousand. <laughs> it's so true and you don't think about that well time is money so if you could get someone to spend a little bit of time helping you it's yeah. probably worth it <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely worth it and 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 QuickBooks and data sync and, you know, getting all the lines out of the ledgers, out of the bank accounts. Like it's another example of that. It's not an API centric world mess that we talked yeah. about before. I mean, I think some of the bank synchronization is still that massive hack of uh, like system A pretends to log in as you and screen scrapes web pages. You're like, oh, this is 
That's scary. This is awful. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still running that way. Yeah, everybody's still running that way. <laughs> nah, oh, well. Um, okay, a different switch gears question for you. You are, you, you stay heavily involved in the email space, which is awesome. We all get the uh, benefit. You're on the, the committee from Only Influencers that's helping get some more definition to email metrics, right? I am. So I love being on that committee. Um, I, I met Jean many years ago when I, I think even before I started Mocha Bear Marketing. And when I found out that they were, I've been a member of Only Influencers for a long time. I, I had a, a boss who was a mentor and he insisted when I started working for him that I join Only Influencers and I continued that membership even when I nice. ended up, um, you know, going off on my own. Uh, but when they started the the metrics committee, I've, metrics and segmentation is kind of my passion. I'm really into the analytics side of things and not the pretty side of email, but like why email, you know, what's important in the email, what's not. And so I asked about the metrics committee and they invited me to be on it. And it's been great. We've done several webinars. We have another one coming up on specific to segmentation in September. Excellent. Or sorry, maybe it's the last week of August. Um, and it's been great. You know, the email world uh, is very full of nice people. I think we all help each other out. And when you work independently, I think it's important to be involved in something so you can stay relevant within your field. And so it's been great. I mean, we went to the, I, that's where I I met you at the conference. Uh, so it was, you know, I think those things are just so important. And it's just nice to be around other email marketing professionals who, you know, think the same way or, you know, give different ideas and perspective on things. To me, that's been wonderful. Um, earlier guest on this podcast, uh, Dr. Ada Bartlett uh, is on the metric. Yeah, she's on the committee with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's great. Yeah, data, cheerful data scientist, as I recall. Yeah, very. <laughs> is, is her tag going, wow, the two of you would make a, would make a, a formidable <laughs> uh, piece, piece of a committee. Um, you're, you know, the, the, the small business running a bit of modest email program probably doesn't think in terms of things like metrics and, you know, that's a whole bunch of, yeah. Um, because, because they matter even at a small scale and matter even more at a bigger scale. And, uh, and I imagine we're going to have to do a lot of continued reformulation of what's, what's measurable and how does it matter and how does it inform what you do next as that email landscape shifts around, you know, open rates being the obvious yeah. thing to pick on. <laughs> uh, we could go. Yeah. on a whole different conversation about open rates. It's yeah. still the question I get the most. I want to resend to my openers or my non-openers. Like, forget about that metric. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Afraid so. Afraid so. Uh, <laughs> you know, especially, especially if you're not at a massive, massive, massive scale, I think. But yes, let's yes. not, <laughs> let's not go down. <laughs> let's not go down that road. It's very inside baseball when you, you know, talking to stuff like there's, there's, you know, 64 people who, who think this matters and, uh, and, and are, are actually going to gaze at discussion. <laughs> like average podcast lists are going, the heck are they talking about? Okay. <laughs> Shut that aside. Next. Uh, is there anything you missed about 
the corporate and enterprise world? Um, I think there are some things I miss, but COVID probably would have killed that anyway. Uh, I do miss sometimes, like a lot of the people I'm still friendly with that I socialize with are people that I met through work. Mm -hmm. And going into the office, I think there are times that I do miss it. But, interesting, you know, right now, it wouldn't have happened for the past two plus years anyway. And I was working from home before that. uh, So not a lot changed for me. But I think that's the one thing that I do sometimes miss is being, you know, in an an office environment. Um, But I don't ever think that I would go back and, and work for a company. I really enjoy consulting and, and doing my own thing. Nice. There, um, there's a, I want to say season two, which it's just embarrassing that I'm probably accurate, but there's a, there's a little moment season two of the West Wing where uh, the Bartlett's president is watching, watching some of his folks interact at a party. And he's like, and I, he just, I love I love seeing colleagues, you know, being collegial, better written line than that. But that's, that's that thing you're talking about there, that it, that it is, it's valuable to have those collegial relationships. And we all did get kind of snipped off from that. Those of us already working for home, we're like, yeah, no big deal. I'm already used to this, but it is not going to be the same in work setting, particularly if it's any way digital work setting because you're going to have colleagues who you'll never ever meet live or you'll only meet at conferences and wow that's a shift yeah it's such a change i was with someone yesterday and they mentioned um that their boss has moved to another state and they're not he doesn't think they'll ever go back into yeah an office yeah which i thought was very interesting i you know it it sounds wonderful that people just move to wherever they wanted to but but um, I don't, I wonder if and when we will go back to that office environment. And I, I do think like, you know, when I worked at uh, Cheetah, yeah, you know, part of how I made so many connections in this field is by going into an office and having lunch together and, you know, hanging out and going for happy hours. If I was that at that place in my career mm-hmm. now, I would miss out on on all of that. How um, often, I'm glad I had it, but you know, I think of people who are just starting out and I think that's going to be a challenge. The career, career stage thing. Uh, let's stick with that one. I'll come back to the other thought for a second. I, I think that career stage observation is very astute. Um, and I, and I've seen articles and analysis that said, essentially look new to the workplace folks, millennials or whatever, are kind of getting shortchanged if they're, you know, go work from your apartment, see you on Zoom. How do they, how do they get the mentoring and relationship building and advice and storytelling that those of us who are older than millennials got early in our career by hanging out at the office? Yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge because I think of the times I would just walk into another colleague's office and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What are your thoughts? Yeah. If I have to get on Zoom with that person, am I 
going to do it. Now I have to schedule a time with them. Yeah, it's in, um, it's intentional. It's agendaed. It yeah. Yeah. It, so I don't I don't know. I I'm not sure, and especially in a field in the digital world where things are rapidly changing, and you know strategies need to be really like thought about, um, especially as things change. I I don't know how you do that on Zoom. I mean, it sounds funny to say I don't know how you do it digital, like in the digital world. I don't know how you do it virtually, but it's. I think it's just a little bit harder. You know, even I, at the conference that we were at, I felt like I picked up a lot of ideas by being in a room with other people. Yeah, where I join, you know, the, the weekly calls. Um, and I do pick up ideas from that, but not the same as just that conversation that you weren't intending to have. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of, a couple of thoughts off of that. Um, I'm guilty of citing this book about every fifth podcast episode. So here we go again. <laughs> uh, wonderful book called The Social Life of Information, John Seeley Brown and Paul Duguid, which was written before Facebook existed, by the way. and. The gist of that book is the way we really learn from each other is by casual conversation and stories and breaking bread and having beer together. And you don't do that on Zoom. And that's the thing, that's the thing that, that, that could be lost. Possible, um, a possible slight antidote to that uh, for the duration of time that, that I've been in the email space where we've been trying to grow Campaign Genius. Um, lucky enough to have one of the really experienced folks in the space basically sign on to mentor. And we have a standing every week, half hour Zoom call that actually doesn't really have an agenda. I like that. And it's been incredibly valuable to me because sometimes it's a 15 minute call, sometimes it's a 31 minute call, but we end up with a, Hey, how are you doing? And Oh yeah. And Oh, that new client and, 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 uh, the casual conversation, it's not, I need to schedule a call with him so I can ask about X, the, uh, the agenda driven zoom call that you mentioned, um, yeah. the fact that it's kind of nailed up and it's going to be a casual conversation has led to a lot more of that casual, valuable, incredibly valuable casual learning. Let me bounce this off of you. What's your reaction to that kind of stuff? Um, and uh, are a lot of the people new who are joining new to the email space? This is or... the one-on-one. This is oh, one-on-one. Okay. One-on-one call because those group calls, which you mentioned that, that both of us have participated in, those are terrific, but they are not one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Yeah. The one-on-one, you know, small small group would be interesting, like, if three or four people had a had a standing no agenda conversation i'm i'm thinking out loud here but as companies run the necessary experiments to fill in the human thing that that remote work has ruled out there's some not obvious parameters like agenda no agenda like group size that that merit experimentation i think it's it's interesting you say that i've i've been a member of a couple of chambers um in la and they obviously all went virtual and i found the 
virtual networking because they throw you in a room with one or two other people to be more helpful than the in-person networking where it was like a large lunch or a cocktail hour where you may, the person that you would most likely want to meet is not the one that you would meet. But when you're being thrown into multiple rooms, you're going to meet all 30 or 40 people at some point in that 90 minute call. And I found that to be super helpful. Um, and I, I felt like I met a lot more people than when I used to go to the in-person yeah. one. Yeah. Well, this is incredibly recursive, but I have found this podcast incredibly fun, useful, valuable for exactly that reason. Right. Yeah. I this, I totally agree. Like if you had asked me three years ago to do this, I would have probably said, oh, well, yeah, but I don't, but you know, when I have time. Yeah. But now that we're so used to this, I realize that we should have been doing this all along. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been, I've been, I've been watching the evolution of, 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 uh, video conferencing for, for quite a number of years in a digital media, my field. And, um, I don't think we would have flipped over to this being so normal, this being the Zoom conversation we're on, uh, without that that forcing function that the pan pandemic served. Because I used to kind of bug people to try to get them to video conference with me. We've been running a virtual business for well over a decade. It's like, well, we could hop on a video and people would be like, oh, but no, I have to do hair and makeup and I don't have a camera. I used to be that person. <laughs> everybody was, everybody was that person. And truthfully, it was a huge pain in the butt technically to set up a decent video conferencing uh, system. It still is, honest to God, it still is. Yeah. <laughs> but we've all kind of, all of a sudden in a, in a year or two time frame, everyone had to get at least okay at that. Why? Because that's the office now. Right. Right. And yeah. and it looks to me like the bar is continuing to go up. I mean, you specifically, you've got your you've got the Zoom blurred background on. But that yeah. that wasn't an option three years ago on video no. platforms. It was it was like this is it. What you see is what you get. And now, like, uh, I mean, I because because I invest time in this podcast, I've got <laughs> seriously, I've got lights. <laughs> camera multiple <laughs> monitors like this this is like baby tv studio thing to to me and, and a really good looking microphone um baby tv studio <laughs> thing going to to make this work um and and it took time and tinkering and investment to make that happen payoff though now is this all feels normal it's so true yeah being on Zoom, and even with prospective clients sometimes they'll say do you mind if we got on a zoom and I think that's great because I've picked up clients that are not local during yes. this time. Yes. Because you weren't meeting the local person for yes. coffee anymore. Yes. What's the difference if we're on Zoom or we're at a coffee shop? We can which, talk about your business. <laughs> which expanded your potential market dramatically. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Yeah. It's been for me um, and I think for others in the digital space realizing that you just could pick up clients that are not down the street from you or within a 30 minute drive, I think has been super helpful. I hear that from a lot of people that 
their their business has expanded to areas that they didn't ever anticipate. Yeah, yeah. And and some habit change to go, oh, I guess I do have a bigger market. A mindset change, if you will. Oh, I guess I do have a bigger market. Uh, it's it's taken a while to shift those gears as well. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I don't know where that goes. Like, keep running that trend light out. I don't really know uh, where that ends up. I, I know that some fields are starting to see uh, national national borders be less a thing. You know, uh, software development's an obvious one to pick on, but because developers are so cotton picking expensive right now, I'm just like, well, if I could hire a really good developer who's in fill in the blanks and whether it's currency arbitrage or local wages or something like that, make that work. Maybe that's better, but I expect if that person with that skill set could shop themselves, eventually they'll go, yeah, you're going to pay me what you're going to pay a developer regardless of where I live. Yeah, I think that's, and I think people also realize you want to find the best talent regardless of where they're located. <laughs> yeah. Which I think previously, like I see this when, you know, I, I see job postings, they're looking for someone either local or remote. Like they don't seem to just say it has to be a local person yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're, we're, you know, your, your small world is now getting much bigger. <laughs> it is. And we, we did all of this. We accelerated a good 10 years of shift into one or two, which has been just fascinating to watch. Like, yeah, bam, all of a sudden you got to work that way. I'm also intrigued by the businesses that, and businesses, functions, whatever, um, that, that can't, won't, and shouldn't, uh, Go to Zoom. And, uh, the obvious one to pick on. Oh, wow, that picture's blurry. Hang on a second. Boo, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that out when in, in the video. But he's going like, whoop, whoop. Uh, education, schools. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm calling baloney on Zoom based education. Baloney. Yeah. That should not be no. on Zoom. Below, I mean, below a certain age, just it's not, it's not the same. Yeah, there's just no way that you can stay focused. I mean, we can't stay focused for an all-day Zoom. Oh, God, would that be exhausting? <laughs> oh, gross. It's exhausting. Oh, hey, oh, shoot me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've never done that, and I just would... I don't think I would even say yes. Actually, I've done... Have you have you attended attended some of the virtual conferences in the last couple of years? I have, yes. Um, and did you multitask while they were going on? I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked that they were virtual, and that I don't know that I would have attended. Yeah. I think that there is a need for a virtual track, but. I definitely was multitasking, whereas I wouldn't have been if I was in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, so I guess there's good and bad. Yeah, I think good and bad. There's a uh, Linda Linda Stone. I worked with her at Microsoft. She she sort of her career is now based on a phrase. She coined this phrase: continuous partial attention. And and to be fair, she coined the phrase well over a decade ago, and it it does seem apt 
to conferences, yeah. to, like to virtual conferences now, because, oh, yeah, I'm really glued to all of the three or four things that I'm doing at once. <laughs> <laughs> Versus, you know, this, you and I are one-to-one conversation on Zoom. I am not multitasking. I am not multitasking. Me neither. Right? Because we're having it. You can't with the one-to-one conversation. You but can't. I'm just listening to a speaker. It's yeah. easy to multitask. <laughs> well, let's pick on it again. Those those group uh, only influencers calls that both of us uh, frequently attend. I see people doing some multitasking on those. Not a yeah. lot, but a bit. I don't see it as much as I would have thought with that many people on a yeah. call. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's because they're all so cool I- and smart. That's what it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's only an hour. It's not an all-day thing. I think an hour you can easily commit to not multitasking when it's four hours, six hours, which is what some of these conferences are. It's a little harder. Well, and it's so. four, six hours, and it's many, many, you know, so little segments, and 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 not everybody is super arresting when they're the speaker, uh, or you're not as dialed into that particular uh, subject at that particular moment or whatever else. And we're all guilty for the most part of using the, the, the work multitasking device to do the job of this video connection. Yeah. 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 I've got a, I've got a dedicated monitor. My, I've got like, I've got the world's best desk there. I said it, uh, but I've got a <laughs> dedicated monitor above my main monitor and for these for these uh, one-to-one conversations, like that's the only thing up there in my eyes, maybe. Yeah, it, it it's you and me, and I wish I could black out me, but then the video would be cut quite. Well, a- I I think the focus feature on uh, that Apple has created, where you can make sure that nothing's like dinging on your phone or your computer, is yeah. great. Yeah, because I turn that on before every meeting. Otherwise, I was seeing emails coming in and text messages, and yeah. it's just. It's distracting. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you uh are you in are you in the Apple Club, like me? I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't always, but yes, I am. <laughs> I I I worked at their big competitor uh in the in the nineties. Uh, so I was like a certified Windows expert, and then when I when oh. I left, I was like, "Can I have my Mac back, please? Because I like it better." <laughs> <laughs> uh- I held on to my BlackBerry as long as I could. <laughs> I don't you miss and that I, little keyboard? But, Dang it! You know, I did for maybe ten minutes when I switched to the iPhone, and then someone asked me one day, "Oh, could you send a an email for me? Here's my BlackBerry," and I was like, "How do you use this again?" <laughs> hmm. Um, mm. so yeah, I don't I know. I still for a very short period of time. <laughs> I still miss the actual haptic you know, touch press keys and, and I, and, and I still don't type super well on an iPhone because yeah, the, the, the soft, the soft keyboard. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, the chip has sailed. <laughs> like this is what those devices are going to look like. And exactly. <laughs> for a long time, we're not, we're not going to change that. And, um, and we all still have email. Haha. <laughs> On our smartphones, <laughs> uh, and and uh, and I think that'll be the case for a long time. Where do you see, as we wrap up, because I got to take a whole hour of your time here, where do you see uh, taking your company over the next couple of years? What do you, what would you like to do with it? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I kind of rethink this all the time. Um, <laughs> I definitely want to continue on the path I'm on to, you know, continue to work with small businesses, but I don't want that to change. Um, I think I would like to continue to expand, you know, knowing that I don't need to work with businesses that are just down the street, that I can work with small businesses pretty much anywhere. I definitely want to continue that. Um, and I want to continue to educate small businesses on email marketing, whether or not they hire me to help them or not. I, I really want to do more of that to make sure that they're at least aware of what this marketing channel can do for their business. I think that's really important. If there's not a terrific kick butt book on email marketing program for your small business, would you consider writing it? Oh, I had not thought about that, but possibly, yes. Because <laughs> seriously, I, I, like, I need to think about that one. Big, it's a big, big gap in the world. I can't think of such a book. Uh, there's some wonderful yeah. books on email marketing, but they tend to be aimed like uh, Kath Pay's book is terrific, Holistic Email Marketing. Um, there you go, Kath, yeah. call out. But it's it's aimed at a much bigger scale than I think you're helping your clients uh, aim at. Yeah, I need to see if there is anything. I'm not sure that there is. I'm not sure, there is. I'm not sure there is either. And, yeah. and, and, and there's a lot of businesses, if you could sort of, it's not an easy job to do, but like, look, here's the cookbooks, kind of what you're saying about starting a business. Like, here's the cookbook, the blueprint, if you will, the things that you really should have in place. And it's not platform specific and it's not, you know, it's vendor agnostic and all that other stuff. But if you're not doing this, do this. And it needs to connect to this and to do that. Because, um, wow, there's a lot of people who would benefit from that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to think about that. I have a client who writes a children's yoga book and maybe I'll ask her how she, I'm not sure exactly how she got started in, in writing these books, but she enjoys it. Um, yeah. You know, she had worked, she was working in yoga before all of this. So, yeah. and now she kind of writes and, and leads classes. So I have mm. to think about that. Yeah, I do think do think of it. I think I think that'd be a, yeah. a service to the service to the world. Not a bad, not necessarily a bad uh, uh, asset for Mocha Bear either. Yeah, no. <laughs> mm -hmm. I need to find the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, writing writing a book and finding the time. Um, I've had a couple of folks on this on this podcast. Uh, although I haven't had Kath Pay, who I mentioned as a guest uh, yet, but Jenna Tiffany was on nine months ago, and she had just completed writing a book. And there was some other guest who had also just completed writing a book. It's 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 interesting to talk to a you know busy professional or business owner. Say, how in the heck did you carve out the time to do that? Yeah, I. I'd be curious how they found the time. I, I feel like are there's not a lot of hours in the day. Yeah, how they made <laughs> the time, honestly. But yeah, and you know, me a couple a bunch of books kicking around my head. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not. I guess if I could hire some people to take the day to day stuff off my plate that we had originally discussed, yes. then. I could find time to write the book. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, if you do, 
you have to come back on as a repeat guest so we can talk about the book. How's that for a deal? Okay. That's a deal. <laughs> cool. Well, let's wrap. Thank you so much for the time and the great conversation, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. This was great. It was a lot of fun. Okay. My guest today has been Elizabeth Jacoby, founder, runner, chief cook, bottle washer, uh, and strategist <laughs> at Mocha Bear Marketing. Thanks. We're out. Thank you.